Welcome, ladies, back to another episode of Her Sacred Sexuality. Today, we are so excited to announce we have a special guest, Katie Ulmer. Am I pronouncing your last name correctly? You, yes, get it. You got okay, it. Okay, good. <laughs> Funny enough, I was scrolling through TikTok one day and I came across one of Katie's videos and was so pulled to it, was so attracted to it and her energy and just the way that she explains sex and singleness and the psychology and physiology behind sex is really beautiful and completely rids it of any shame. So today we're going to just have a conversation with Katie all about sex before marriage, the nuances of it and what it's like, especially in our society today, and how we go about singleness in this generation. So welcome, Katie. We're so excited to have you. Oh, thanks for having me. And thank you for saying such nice things about stumbling across my TikTok. I love it. Yeah, girl. (laughs) I also want to mention for those who might be thinking, well, I'm not single, I'm married, or I have kids, this episode doesn't apply to me. Ladies, listen up. I am I have three girls and I am like taking notes because the way she explains sex and the importance of having sex in a marriage covenant is so mind-blowing that I'm like going to use it in all my conversations with my kids. So if you've ever struggled with how to talk about that with your kids, especially teenagers that are getting to that stage where they're having dating relationships, you will want to listen to this episode. That's the best compliment. It's so funny. I was, um, for some reason, that video is blowing back up. And so I was looking at some of the comments and several people have said that. And that I have teenagers. And so for other people to say, I'm saving this for my kids or I'm showing this to my kids. I'm like, hey, that's the best compliment. Yes. <laughs> You're like, it's doing what I want it to do. Yes. yes. Thank you. That's and maybe that's a good place to jump in. Yeah. Um, well, I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background too. But for those of, of our listeners who haven't heard that TikTok you're referring to, tell us a little bit about yourself. And then if you let's talk about what you were sharing about on that. TikTok. Sure. Yeah. So my name is Katie. I'm in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I've been married for 19 years. We have two teenage daughters and I speak to colleges. So I'm a speaker that travels to mostly to sororities. And I talk about um, my background is in marketing. So I talk about uh, sorority women's trend setting power, which is great, but using that power for good. I talk mm-hmm. about, you know, their, their buying power. Um, there, there's a lot that I impact there, but what, as we're talking today, it usually sticks when I go to these colleges is also changing the dating world and mm-hmm. why these world changing women shouldn't be dating dirt bags as I jokingly, <laughs> but seriously, you know, say. Yeah. And, um, I love that. Yeah, raise, raise, let's raise the bar. Amen. Yes. And, and I, I can go on a rabbit trail with that because I mean, just real quick, if you think about it, if girls said, no, I'm not going to go home with you. No, I'm not going to like date you because you're treating me like crap. Guys would shape up in about five seconds. Yeah. I mean, Truly. You know, if we make it like, oh, well, I, it make the bar is right here. And so all I have to do is throw some fries and a Big Mac at you and call you my girlfriend. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so love women, this. women yes. really and truly can change the dating world. And I have strong feelings about that, but uh, you just asked who I was. So, yes. um, <laughs> and then the, the pot, the, um, TikTok that we're talking about, 
I mean, I've been working on this for a while and I've talked about this for a while, but that for some reason just like really, you know, hit a chord with a lot of people in a good way, I think. And it's a four minute long video, four minute long videos yeah. don't really get virality. So it's yeah, it's amazing. Um, there's a lot to say. So I had to unpack it all anyways. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I was a heartbroken and hungover sorority girl looking for love and all the wrong frat boys finally found it in a man named Jesus. And the next guy I dated was my husband and wow. all of that, obviously uh, there's a lot more details there, but made me very passionate about what is this thing called dating? What is this thing called sex? How do we do it? Well, my, my parents are divorced. My husband's parents are divorced. I, I kind of went in like blindly, not really knowing what I was doing. Right. I read a lot of books, started being so curious about the way our bodies were created, the science behind it. I've just really been a student of this literally for about 10 years. Um, I've done mentoring along the way. My husband was a youth pastor when we first got married, which kind of automatically makes the youth pastor's wife, the girl <laughs> who's the mentor for all the high school. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which, um, long story, but it led to me, you know, doing speaking to colleges and all of this is just, I've always been passionate about being who I needed when I was younger. And mm. all of that, you know, I got to be colleagues with a, a gentleman who's a PhD of sexual health. And so he just filled my brain with all kinds of really cool science behind this. And then um, I have a good friend who's a counselor and I just would just listen like, oh, well, that psychology thing that she just said just really lines up with that science thing I just heard. And then I just learned this about the Bible and it all coincides, but it is not coinciding with what Cardi B is telling us no offense. Right, right. <laughs> it is not coinciding with, you know, the the sitcom that I just saw where someone was sitting up in bed saying, What's your name again? And the audience is laughing, you know, and I'm like, that is not truth. And our culture laughs it off and this hookup culture and whatever, whatever. It's just true. It's just not the way our body's created. And I see the actual girls' names and faces as I'm having coffee with them and they're crying into their latte of the brokenhearted ghost text or whatever it is. So I've just developed some strong feelings over the years. And so I'm talking about it on the internet. Strong <laughs> feelings amazing. backed by good research and science. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. It's like a, almost like a calling for you. I believe it is. Thank you. Yes. I'm, I'm very strong. I have very strong feelings. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. And it's, yeah. it just goes to show you like, even going back to that TikTok video, four minutes long for somebody who might be scrolling over and over and over for 30 seconds at a time, the hunger that's there from the audience that is being pulled to you, that something clearly isn't working out in the dating world, in how culture is presenting sex so loosely. And what you're saying, it literally is backed by science. So yeah. it's like, it's really hard to argue that. <laughs> but people still do, but yeah, so of course. <laughs> Of course. Yeah. What yeah. would you say is like the, the biggest argument for what you're saying? Well, I will say by and large, it's been positive. Um, I just yeah. looked at something like 2000 watch hours, which is bananas. Um, Whoa. I know, but people will say, this is all really interesting until she mentioned that religious BS. I had a few of those. And, and then just a few, just questions, I guess, M mostly, like I said, 98%, very, very kind and very positive, but yeah. So to that, I mean, I would just be like, okay, so I had good advice until I mentioned Jesus, like it, right. Right. <laughs> he invented science. I don't know if, I know if you know that, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, I get that. I get that too. <laughs> well, tell us, tell us about the, um, the science behind sexuality and intimacy and bonding that you were talking about in that TikTok. 
Yeah. So the, there's obviously a lot, but the things I like to boil down is oxytocin and vasopressin are two big players when it comes to bonding oxytocin for women. And we both, um, men and women have these, but these are kind of big players. So oxytocin for women, most people have heard of this one. This is called your cuddle hormone. This is, it tells the brain once connected, stay connected. Same uh -huh. hormone that is released when a mother nurses her newborn baby, which makes sense, right? This is my baby. And again, back to my strong feelings, if a mother, you know, lifts up a car to rescue her newborn baby, we're like, she's a hero. If a girl stalks a guy after he ghosts her after sex, we're like, she's crazy. It's the <laughs> same hormone. <laughs> It told her to bond to him or yes I think yeah. the science of bonding that you explained there was something I had never really heard described mm -hmm. in that way and I'm a I'm a birth educator so I know all about the hormones and I I could teach them all day long and I've always believed like it's best to save sex for marriage but I never had a good answer for like why like, well, it's because it's in the Bible and God says so. And we mm -hmm. hear it growing up. And I think a lot of our listeners can probably relate to this. So it's like, we know it's probably not right or it's sin or whatever, however you would categorize it. But it's so hard growing up in this culture where it is so casual and it is so mm -hmm. like hookup culture. And, and there's so much pressure, especially on women probably to put out once you get to college, if you're the only one in college and you're still a virgin, you're you're like a loser, right? And so you have all of this fighting against having high morals and standards as a woman. And when you shared about the physiology behind sex and what sex actually does, it took it from this like casual thing that's just like flippant, like, oh, it doesn't matter. Just hook up with whoever you want. That's a woman's power and this feminist like agenda. And it brought it back to this like godly moral, but not just like follow the rules, be a good girl kind of thing. It was like, no, there's a reason that that our sexuality is sacred. And this is why we're holding it for marriage, because there's a bond that happens here that's sacred. And so I'd love to hear more about that bond, because yeah. I feel like it's just something we don't we don't hear about, like the yeah. why behind why is this so important to, to wait? Yeah, I'm glad you said that. The why behind the wait is what I often say, because you're right. If, yeah, if we tell our teenagers, don't do it. Why? Uh, just because. Have a good day. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, mm, yeah, but he's cute. So yeah, <laughs> he's hot and I'm horny. And yeah, yeah. And, and I tell the girls that I'm like, don't be ashamed that you're attracted to your boyfriend. That means your hormones are working. That means that you yeah. think he's hot. If you get married, I hope that you do think each other are hot and want to yeah. like, That means like, you're going to have a beautiful, lovely marriage. Um, right. But just like a fire in a fireplace, it is good. In the middle of my kitchen, it is destructive. And so just like sex, it is a beautiful thing. It's a gift. It was God's idea. We don't think about that. And one of the things mm -hmm. I mentioned in the video, there is a body part on a woman intended just for pleasure. Also, Bingo. Yeah. Yes. also God's idea. I don't want girls or, or guys to feel shame that I'm attracted. And I, but this is a, a conversation like, Hey, boyfriend, I think you're cute. Yeah. I have urges because I'm human. Um, and I have flesh, but it matters to me to wait for marriage because I believe that God has my best interest at heart. I believe that he's good and he can be trusted. And, and I want you to join me on that. One of my pet peeves is girls will say, oh, well, he respects my decision to wait. 
why does it have to be your decision? It needs to be both of your decision. Y'all need to come to, you need to come to agreement on this, but mm-hmm. lots of rabbit trails. Your question about bonding <laughs> back to the vasopressin. So this is the big player for guys. And this one, I did a whole nother video on this one, but essentially guys build vasopressin receptors while they are dating. Meaning like you're getting to know this girl, you like her, she's cute, there's attraction. And so guys are building receptors and and the vasopressin is, is coming into play. Oh, like we're flirting, I've held her hand and you're going to get more and more of a bond. What happens in a hookup, you barely know someone, you have sex, there's a flood of vasopressin, but there's barely any receptors. And so it's like, the, it was just this huge flood of um, oxytocin feeling all the things, but then they just plummet down because there's no time to build a bond. And people always mm-hmm. ask me in the comments, well, how long? It's not a, a time thing. It's a commitment thing. Because mm-hmm. when you are commit, when a guy is committed, there's a 21% drop in his testosterone, which does not make him any less of a man, which does not make him any less of a sex drive. It lowers the Coolidge effect. The Coolidge effect is what kind of this animalistic, like I'm going to conquer women thing. It blocks that from happening and it helps build his oxytocin And then it's like, oh, this is my girl. I want to fight for her. She is my lady. I want to stand beside her. And then hopefully I want to commit to her. She's my boo thing. They get married. Mm -hmm. Sex happens. Tons of vasopressin receptors have already been built. He's bonded. She is bonded. And the world is a happy place. (laughs) Wow. 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 So, So essentially what's happening is during the dating time, like when he's out there putting his feelers out, his testosterone is higher yeah, and his vasopressin is higher. It's not anything yet. He's getting vasopressin receptors are built by dating. So by dating one person. Yeah. I would say if if you're dating a bunch of people, then you, you're not really, you're just getting pockets of bonding a bunch of different places and places. But if you're dating that one person, then it's like, Oh, this is my girl, vasopressin. Okay. And it's that bond is built. And then if sex happens, then it's like this whole like continually flood and it will happen hopefully over a lifetime. And can you share what the purpose of vasopressin is in the body? Yes. So again, people will ask me, you may know because of your nursing background, it is a water retention hormone. So of course, hormones can provide more than one function, but yeah, because I know all the hormones like the oxytocin, endorphins, adrenaline, I know, but is vasopressin just a guy in the guys or is that also the women? No, girls have it too. It's an antidiuretic hormone. It plays a key role in in your glucose and water retention and stuff like that. But it has a lot to do with maintaining the water volume and stuff like that. And it helps bond. Well, it goes to the blood volume and internal temperature. It can help with erections and stuff like that. And so it leads to orgasm and all of that, which will in turn lead to bonding. And so hopefully that kind of unpacks it a little bit better. So if a guy has like a one night stand or whatever, that doesn't create the cycle of the vasopressin to kind of set in of that bonding chemical. But for the woman, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So Mm. the way I describe it is he will have a flood of vasopressin, but there was no receptors. And so it's, if you have a complete drought, it pours down rain for five minutes, the, it doesn't really get to the soil. It doesn't really get absorbed because it was just such a but then the vasopressin receptors built by dating are that slow, continual rain, if you will, for that example of continuing to nourish the crops and build uh, and build the crops. Wow. And how That's is that different? That is fascinating. How is that different for the woman? 
Cause she has a very different experience with, with like a one night stand or yes. having sex. So women bond through oxytocin through, through touch. And that can mean a lot of things, obviously, you know, even just a hug or a cuddle, a kiss, but it definitely does skyrocket with an orgasm or just intimacy at the, you know, more and more intimate, obviously you go, yeah. but, um, so a woman is going to, even if she doesn't orgasm I and mean, that's just a bond. It's just think about it. the woman, just our biology. It is much more of an intimate process. It is allowing yeah. someone into your body. The way it's built is she is going to feel bonded. Another thing that I like to point out is in the animal kingdom. And while I do believe that we are different than animals, that men are chasers and women are choosers and looking mm-hmm. at the biology men have, I mean, sorry, women have far, far fewer eggs than men have little swimmers. Um, I think it's like a billion to one or something like that. And so just looking at that, women should be more selective when choosing a partner. Yeah. (laughs) This hookup culture only is only good for men. And even then it's not really good for them. Yeah. Cause they get the high, but they don't have that bond. They don't have that commitment and they, they don't get the benefit of that. Right. And I just found out a lot of statistics here, longevity speaking, men actually benefit more when they're married. So if you look at older couples that are widowed for whatever reason, maybe they lost a loved one or or just single, just divorced or widowed. So let's, let's take two women or neighbors. So one of them single, one of them married, the single woman is 50% more likely to die of death of any causes than her married counterpart. Whoa. But, But Two men, let's say they're neighbors, living down the street a little bit further. Um, one is married, one is not, same age. The man is 250% more likely to die, the single man, than his married counterpart. Wow. Stop. Yes. So oh men gosh. are all like, hookup culture. Really, bro? Because <laughs> you gonna die. <laughs> so extreme. <laughs> So if you can't get your boyfriend to commit, tell him that little statistic. Um, (laughs) And there's lots of reasons for that. Generally speaking, women plan the social events. They're going to cook a healthy dinner. They're going to make sure you take your vitamins. You know, now, of course, there are exceptions to this rule, but by and large, that is the statistic. Wow. Yeah. So what's it like right now with your experience in talking to this group of people and what's going on right now and that because Karen and I have both both got married very young Karen what you were 20 20 19 and I was 22 so we were little babies when we got married so we've been out of the dating pool world for a long time so what are you noticing right now And how are people responding, especially like when you're talking to a sorority or a college? Yeah, well, I'm a little bit of an optimist, meaning that you you hear, I think most people answer this question, oh, it's terrible and dating is going to pot. There is that, but I feel like there's always been bad and good. It depends on what you're Mm -hmm. looking for, right? Yeah, totally. And so I think that the potentially one big problem and, and not always a problem is Uh, dating apps. And so we look at the way our grandparents dated. It was the girl and maybe, you you know, you guys dated young. It was someone that you liked from your hometown and you got married and you built a life together. Mm. That is great. And that is beautiful. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with dating apps. I know some lovely people who have met and got married there. The only problem is created is the abundance of choice. Mm. And when we have, we just, you know, 
swipe, swipe, swipe. Oh, they're cute. Go on a dates, but there's always going to be someone better. There's always going to be someone more beautiful, right. someone more spiritual even. And so we just have this, I'm going to swipe, swipe until I find perfection, which of course is never going to happen. Um, right. And my marketing brain will tell you that's the paradox of choice. When you have a million options, you have none. And yeah. so that has, has made things complicated, I would say. But again, I don't think all is lost. I think that it's clearly communicating what matters to you in a dating relationship. Because if you go in this loosey-goosey, I mean, yeah, I'm a Christian, I guess. And yeah, I want to wait for marriage. I mean, I guess, I think. You know, yeah. one of the things I say when I go to sororities is, Never in the history of ever have I had a girl say, Katie, I'm really looking for a porn addicted college dropout who cusses at his mama. No, <laughs> but I am having coffee with a girl dating that guy because yeah. she went into dating, not clearly communicating what mattered to her or not deciding mm. for herself what mattered for her. Like she was just like, oh, whatever. I'm just going to date a guy because he's cute. I mean, attraction matters. Don't get me wrong, but there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah. Yeah. What's your take on the phrases of like, well, I'm just attracted to the bad boy. And I mean, have you seen that where girls are like, I don't know, there's something about that that's like sexy or whatever. I would, I would challenge her. I would think that she is trying to fill something under the surface. Um, there's yeah. A daddy thing or an attention thing or something mm. thing, because bad is a relative term, but you know, what do we mean by bad boy? Are you constantly getting cheated on? Are you constantly wrong? Right. Because if then that becomes a you issue, honestly, because we yeah. tell people how we can be treated. And so if you're the girl who constantly responds to the Hey girl, what are you doing after midnight text? Then you're the girl they call, you know? Yeah. And yeah. If, and if you switch that, as we said at the beginning of like, huh, I'm sorry, blocks, because I know my worth, because I know mm. that I'm like someone that you date and respect and take home to mama, then I'm not going to put up with your games. And, and people will tell me, you know, especially young women, Oh, but Katie, that's going to narrow my dating pool. Yes. Good. Congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, that guy trying to get in your pants is no longer an option. You're welcome. So thank yeah, you. that's oh, so good. That's yeah. this is a such response. a needed voice, like for this generation. And yeah. I hope if you've got teenagers and you're listening to this, you send them this episode because Aww. yeah, this is just so valuable. What? So what happens to a woman when she's bonded, but the guy is not bonded just to go back to that, because it feels like I know you've witnessed this and you've counseled women on the other side of this of the breakup and their hearts are broken, because the guy was never committed. He didn't get that vasopressin receptors to, yeah. to create that bond. But we are bonded because our oxytocin was risen, we've gotten those surges, we've had that physical intimacy, and that physical intimacy bonds us emotionally. So when there's the breakup or the ghosting or that text that like, just we, we kind of assume, I think, as women like, oh, he's having sex. So that means he's committed. Mm. No, honey. And then we get we get like our whole heart into it. And then we get let down so hard. So what does that mean for women? And how can women take back their power to understand the physiology and learn how to play this game more with more wisdom? Mm. Yes. Well, the first thing I would say is I actually get that in my in my comment section a lot, like, well, what do you do if the deed is already done? Date, continue to date. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if you're ghosted, you know, it might be too late, but it doesn't mean that, you know, obviously 
I, I believe that God created all this on purpose, not because he's a killjoy, not because he doesn't want you to have any fun, but because he's a good and loving father who wants to protect yeah. you. And he doesn't want you to walk through all this heartache. Uh, maybe you're just learning this and you're like, okay, cool. Well, it's too late for me now. I disagree with that. I would say, first of all, you didn't know what you didn't know. And it's never too late, too late to decide how you want to be treated. If you're listening to this and you've already been intimate with someone and this is still an option and I hope that it is just continue to date them. People think that the only form of intimacy is physical, but there's mental, emotional, spiritual, and social intimacy. And we know this because you're so much more than just your body and everyone wants to be known for so much more than just their body and yeah. using people for that. Like no one wants that. And so if you continue to date someone, then you can build those bads of present receptors and can hopefully build a lovely relationship together. I would encourage them if they are not married to take some time off of hopefully until they're married for physical intimacy, because that way you can clearly without all those emotional bonds and everything else, build all those other forms of intimacy and be known, you know, for your mind, for your passions, for what, what keeps you up at night in a good way and, and be able to build that bond. But your other question of how can women take their power back? I mean, my strong feelings are women can change the dating world by saying, I'm not going to hook up with you. Sorry. Like you're cute, but, and, and, and clearly communicating that I had a good friend. I mean, she was a former, beauty queen like she she could date had any guy she <laughs> want which is a nice feature but um yeah she would tell guys early in the relationship she would just bring it up um oh do you go to church just a way to kind of open the door like oh cool yeah well my faith is really important to me I'm actually waiting for marriage and they would either be like okay well this is our last date or they'd be like I respect that thank you for bringing that up early you know let's see where this thing goes and wow. she even had guys years later be like who would kind of dumped her after that and be like, sorry for being a shallow dirt bag when we were 25 or whatever it was. And wow. she actually married a major league baseball player who also waited for marriage. How adorable is that? Right. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. all I'm saying is it can be done and setting those standards and just again, yes, it will narrow your dating pool and you're welcome. Like you just have to be confident in yourself. And I think that again, is God good? And can be, can he be trusted? And if so, then if this is the way he says to do things, I think you're going to be in good hands, trusting his plan. Yeah. yeah. So what would you say to the, the women? And I've heard this before where they were told, wait until marriage to have sex. And they did, then they get married and sex sucks. Mm. And they're, they feel duped because they're like, well, the church fed me a lie and now it's not working and we're not compatible. And I'm like, is it, is it a sex thing or is there something else going on? But what would you say? Cause that is a fear as well to like yeah. dating women to go, well, if I don't have sex before we're married, how will I know if we're compatible or if we, if he's good in the bedroom and, and I think he's committed now. So why not? I think that's the try it before you buy it theory. Right. Yeah. And I think that that kind of reduces us though, to just our physical intimacy or just our performance. And there are a lot of people who can have a lot of good sex, but not have a good marriage. You know, your, your body is, is just your body and it it is important and it for sure is, but I think that your physical intimacy is something that can be built. I actually interviewed a couple that were married 11 years with a terrible sex life and didn't know how to fix it. Uh, Went to therapy, got a lot of healing, but six kids later, I think they're doing all right. Um, 
Yeah. And so, but that was work and that was communication. And that is knowing what feels good to you and knowing what feels good to him. And when coming back to the try it before you buy it, I, I think that that's so unfair because a woman's pelvis is as unique as her thumbprint. And so if, you know, another thing I talk to colleges is no, no girl wants to hear, Hey babe, I'm a sex expert. Like, congratulations. Like (laughs) if you're an expert on a hundred women, that still won't make you an expert on you. Mm. And, um, and same for vice versa for guys and girls. And we're all unique, beautiful humans. And of course there's some by and large characteristics that make, you know, pleasure good, but we're all, we're all unique. And that is a, that's again, that intimacy of, I pledge to you for the rest of my life. That means I want to get to know you. Hopefully I want to please you. I want to be sacrificing. I want to, yeah, serve you over myself. That I think that when it comes to learning about their, their character in the bedroom before you get undressed, how, you know, selfless are they? I think that was a big indicator of how they might treat you in the bedroom. Yeah. That's yeah. such a good point. And I love how you kind of boiled it down to like, it's more performative to have to to, to do the try before you buy mentality. Yeah. Because if we're assessing guys or women, and I think women often get assessed in that those standards more so, but even as women, if we're like, oh, it's okay, I can lower my standards just to try before I buy to make sure he's good. That's still that performative mentality. And it doesn't, even if you have great sex before marriage, it doesn't mean you're going to have great sex after marriage. Right. Mm-hmm. And that just tells me like, we're putting a lot of emphasis on this, but it really doesn't mean anything because sex isn't based, like he said, on like their physicality and their, you know, energy or, or their passion. It might make sex really good in that moment, but what really contributes to good sex long-term is a deep emotional connection. Yes. Yeah. which anybody who's been married for any length of time knows that that can get, be really good and really bad and it fluctuates and you can have good seasons and bad seasons. And, and yeah. there's so many other factors to what we call good sex. So I think that's a really cool point that you made. Like, well, it doesn't, it's not just performative. Like that's right. not the only basis. Yeah. And there's seasons, you know, like when a woman just has a baby, like she's not going to be a sex kitten, you know, like <laughs> she needs right. a minute and, and that's okay. And, yeah. and there are seasons where you might have a medicine or whatever. And I think that first of all, it's about the long game, but yeah, reducing us to how you perform, that's so just degrading and yeah, back to that, all those different forms of intimacy, you know, mental, emotional, spiritual, social, and then the physical, you're so much more than just your body and what a beautiful, and I think that that's kind of what God had in mind of this undress in every form of the word, you know, like getting to, cause I, you know, what about when we talk about your deep fears? <laughs> that mm-hmm. is intimate, right? Yeah. You know, what about what you're passionate about in life and your childhood trauma, like those are deep unveiled conversations. And when you can share yeah. all of that with your partner, how much more intimate are you going to feel in the bed? So. And it also goes to the thought of like, when you are having sex before marriage, it almost is a curtain to the, that emotional intimacy. It can act as like a shield of like, yeah, we're being intimate. This, especially for a man, like this is intimate. You know, this is how I open up to you, you know, and I give to you in this way. And it almost 
shields them from needing the need for emotional intimacy and getting to those deep thoughts and fears and desires and all this stuff when it's like, Hey, this is kind of off the table for later. Let's explore all the other ways of having intimacy and experiencing intimacy with each other so that by the time we are having sex, we are engaging in sex. It's like, oh, I trust you. Like, I trust you with my body. I trust you with my mind. I trust you with my peers, my family. Like, as a woman, that even allows her to physically open up as well to a man who is safe in all those other ways to experience intimacy, which I think is so great. No, I 100% agree. I'm thinking about, I'm reading Jessica Simpson's uh, autobiography. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and That's I know, I know that I don't know the whole story and I don't want to know, but apparently John Mayer leaked to one of those penthouse or playboy magazines, very intimate details of their life. And I think how humiliating and how, yeah. whatever, whatever the details were about, cause I don't want to know that is something that only should be shared with them. And yeah. here it is leaked for the world to see and how heartbreaking and how outside of God's design. And again, a God who said, I want to protect you. I want you to have intimacy. I want you to share all of this undressed with a partner, but not just anyone, because who knows how, who can hear this or who it would be shared to. And right. what a heartbreaking scenario when stuff like that happens. And and that can happen. People talk, you know, kiss and tell. There's all kinds of gossip on college campuses and, who, and wherever everywhere else. And you're so much more in danger of that kind of thing happening when you're not in that marriage covenant. So a yucky example, but a realistic one that we need to be careful of. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so important to know. Like, and I don't think we even have those thoughts because we've become so unfazed by how sex is presented now, like you were saying in our music and what we watch and just what we see and hear all the time, you know, and because it's become so lax and it's like, you're almost the weird one for, you are the weird one for saving. You are the weird one for holding off sexually. And that can be a very frustrating place to be in as a single person. But also I think there's a really beautiful thing that you're doing with your movement of providing that structure again and that confidence and owning it. Like I respect myself enough to wait. Like- that doesn't mean I don't love you. That doesn't mean I'm not interested in you. That just means I want to be, I want to be for sure that I know I'm in this for the long haul. Yeah. And that you are give you all of me. Yes, exactly. And then you mentioned you're the weird one. Yes. But one of the things I I tell my, my kids is normal and and saying air quotes, normal is addicted, overweight, depressed, divorced, unhappy, unhealthy. Mm. I don't want to be normal. And I hope you don't either. And yeah. so, so yeah, you may be weird and you may have kids make fun of you. Okay. Talk to me in 10 years. Let me know how it works yeah. out. That's so good. That's so good. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. What, it's just like a, a shift in perspective and yeah. what that word means to you. Mm. Uh, my daughter just got her freshman yearbook and we were looking back. And so I was so curious and here I am in my forties and we're like, I'm looking on Facebook at the people, the cool kids how they turned out. And it's not always a good story. Yeah. (laughs) In high school and in college, if you're the weird one, enjoy it. 
bask yeah. in it. Yeah. <laughs> the oh, most successful so true. smart people were weird. So yes. So yes. true. <laughs> so I have a question going back a little bit to the physiology of it, because I'm kind of a hormonal like science nerd with this. Yeah. Is it just sex that releases those hormones for men and women, or is it orgasm? Most it sky- skyrockets at orgasm. Now, this is a little tricky too, because women, unfortunately, and this is back to try before you buy, don't always, or less often than men are able to orgasm. However, men, I mean, women will have that oxytocin bond, cuddling, kissing, you know, all of the things that are involved. Um, It will skyrocket more with orgasm, but, you know, I don't know the levels, 5%, 10% or whatever, but it's going to be at play and, and then skyrocket with an orgasm. Yeah. It just, it kind of makes me think of the verse in, you know, Song of Solomon, where it says, don't awaken love before it's time, because it's not just sex that is sacred and that God says, hold this, you know, for marriage, but it's also our hearts, because I don't know about anyone else, but for me growing up and dating, we had a, a, we were dating for a while and we were young and we didn't have sex before marriage, but we did everything else like right up to the line. And I know that's common, like in youth group, like, okay, well, we saved ourselves for marriage, like by a hair, but we were still way more bonded earlier on, especially for how young I was, than we should have been, than what was healthy. Like we definitely wake in love before it's time. And I just love that the physiology and the science of what's happening hormonally in our bodies is reflecting also like in our hearts. And it's just this whole being that's like a state of being. And when we cross those lines, and it's not just like a black and white line, that's only sex. Like it's, I feel like we cross those lines even before getting to sex. And in our head, we might justify it like, oh, it's okay. You know, we didn't have, you know, intercourse. So we're good. But we've, we've actually passed that line back there. Yeah. One of the things I talk about to the girls is, you know, if if the line is sex, like we went to the Grand Canyon and let's say, let's say no one wants to fall over the Grand Canyon. Like, hopefully that's a very bad decision, right? (laughs) You don't want to fall over the edge. So why would you dangle your toes and lean and let the wind blow you? Like, that's what we're doing, right? When it comes to this conversation. And so when, when God gives us these guidelines, he's not looking for behavior modification. He's looking for heart transformation. And so trust him. Is this is this an area of your sexuality that he can be trusted with? Does he know better than we know for ourselves? And I get it when you're flesh and he's cute and your hormones and all that stuff, like those are, those are big feelings. I feel like I'm full of little anecdotes today, but I'm looking outside and and right now the trees are covered in leaves. I have a point. Don't worry. Those are feelings. They, they're big and they can feel overwhelming, but in a few months, I know they're all going to fall. Those feelings are leaves and they're, they're coming, they go. And so what we need to go back to is the roots and, and that is scripture. And that is our, our good and loving father who created science and psychology and our brains and hormones and everything. And, and I get it. I'm not saying that this is an easy thing, but this is a, a trust issue really. And mm. this is like when you were dating and, um, and then I often get the question kind of to your point of, well, we're engaged. So isn't it okay? Yeah. This is an exercise in self-control. This is an exercise of faith. Um, this yeah. is a, this is trusting that God is good and who he says he is. And, you know, I I know lots of people who were engaged, did the deed and regretted it. And I don't know anyone who said, oh, I wish I would have jumped into the sack sooner, you know? So those are, those are my strong feelings. (laughs) 
<laughs> so what's your, what was your personal experience? If you're open yeah. to sharing, like growing up and did you have sex before marriage? How was that like redeemed for you? And how did that per- propel you into having this conversation publicly? Yes. So I grew up in what we would call Christian because we lived in Georgia. I'm saying air quotes again. It <laughs> was, I went to youth group occasionally. It was very much a sandy soil type of faith, if you will. And so when temptation started to head my way, I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. Why? I don't know. Um, you know, <laughs> and so yes, um, I was, uh, did have sex with, um, my high school boyfriend and a few guys in college and then met my husband and I, I became a Christian like right before I met him. And so it was another thing that I think I'm so passionate about is I meet my husband who was a virgin, who was a youth pastor, who was like a shining star Christian, everything I would have hoped for and said on paper, that is my dream guy. And I have to explain my past and have to explain that my 17 year old self didn't know he was worth waiting for. And that pretty quickly developed what I'm doing now and the strong feelings of being who I needed when I was younger, because no one told me those decisions would have to be explained to the man of my dreams one day. You know, no Mm. one told me that those were consequences that I would have to deal with and, and the guilt and the shame and all that kind of stuff. And now, of course, my husband, wonderful man, he saw that sin as the East is as far as the East is from the West. Um, but I didn't, and I had a lot to deal with and to sort through to deal with communicating all of that to him. And now we have daughters who are teenagers and having to have these conversations, like, yeah, those are my decisions in high school and college and, and I want better for you. And, and here's why. And so um, that, yes, God has definitely redeemed it, but not without a lot of <laughs> um, yeah. conversations and, and wishes of being able to hit a magic erase button and go back and, and re decide those th- decisions that I made. And I look back and I'm like, some of those guys like, come on, Katie, really? Like, yeah. He's a total dirtbag too. I think we all have somebody like that in our yeah. past that we're like, really? What yeah. were you thinking? <laughs> yeah, like, Definitely. Yeah. So the the shame aspect for you really came when you had to have that discussion with your now husband. How was that for you? And like, how did you unpack that? I mean, yeah, I, I guess it was probably a lot to unpack as a, as a new believer and like, Oh, well, am I good enough to be a Christian now? Like I, you know, I've already mm. made these decisions. And, and so it was kind of figuring all of that out and then, yeah, you know, dating him, figuring out, Oh my gosh, he's a good boy. And what am I going to have to tell him? But yeah. So there was kind of a lot to unpack it. And I mean, that conversation was like, bless his little self. I remember, you know, he's like, okay, well, you know, here's my past. And it was like nothing. Yeah. I like, <laughs> touched a girl's boobs. I'm like, Oh, that's it. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, me too. Bye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a girl's boobs. That'd be weird. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I had to yeah. tell and, and he never, I never felt judged by him or anything, but Amazing. It, was, it was, yeah. Like, uh, gosh, young Katie, like if you knew, if you knew what you would be feeling and how you would have to unpack this and that guilt that you would feel and, and what, what you wish your story would have been. I think that that's sure. the way to say it. Um, I, I follow a pastor out of Atlanta, Andy Stanley, if you've heard of him and yeah. he always love, love his teaching. And he always yeah. says, what's the story that you want to tell? And so a lot of times when I talk to young women, that's a, a good way to look at it. Or what's the story that you want to tell your children is maybe mm. an even better way. And 
So that's a way to kind of zoom out, if you will, especially when you're dating and kind of have healthier eyes on this whole situation. Yeah. And honestly, just, you know, to encourage you, like, I don't think you'd be in the position you are now had you not gone through what you went through, you know, and experienced what you did and be so passionate about it. Like, I love people's stories because I really do. Like, I have a real strong sexual past. So, and all of our listeners know about it, but I do believe it is what propelled me here. So, exactly. So, I, it's like we can look at it from the state of like, okay, if I could change things, cool, but I can't. So I'm going to be like in a state of gratitude, knowing that I learned from it and like moved on. And I think even for our listeners to hear that there is enough grace to go around. And if you're finding yourself stuck in this space, you can move forward in a different direction and guilt and shame can stay in the past. You don't have to hold on to that. You can actually hold on to God's favor and his love and redeeming heart for you. 100%. I agree with you. I I wouldn't be both of us probably what we're doing today. And and so God, and that's the coolest thing. One of the coolest things about him, you know, he redeems our stories and totally. Yeah. And our mess becomes our message a hundred percent. I'm though was frustrating because I think that everyone would agree with that, but then we also talk to a lot of people. Oh, but sex is no big deal. Straight hook up with whoever you want. Well, then right. why are we talking about our trauma right, right. and starting a whole podcast <laughs> from it? You know, so like, yeah. which is it? Which is it? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Like you're offering young women a choice and you're giving them the information to make a better choice. You're not right. saying you have yeah. to make this choice. Right. You have to do it and make the decision I would make. You're just saying, I want to give you the information that nobody else may have told you about yes what the consequences of these choices are and knowing what you're getting into. So you can potentially avoid the fallout and the trauma that you experienced. Yeah. And I think that's empowering. You know, it's, it can become controlling when we try to just control and and dictate, here's what you do and not explain why, but if we're saying and coming from a loving place and an empowering place that says, Hey, here's the truth about sex. Here's what really happens in your bodies and in the man's bodies. And here's how they're, how we're different, which I think is really important because in culture, we just act like we're all the same. We can just have sex and party and it's, it's our freedom. But when we understand like, no, men and women are very different men bond differently and the physiology of their sexual drive is very different than a woman's and that leads to totally different outcomes in relationships and when you are intimate and empowering young women with that knowledge I think what you're doing is so powerful because you're giving them a chance to make a different decision and to really analyze like why am I making the choices I'm even making Because Mm -hmm. I think it can be easy to be like, well, why would I like the question a lot of people have is why would I wait for marriage? Like, that seems to be like the burden of proof is on on you to have to prove like, here's the reasons why which is important. But then we we should also be asking why am I having sex? Why? What am I trying to get out of it? Why Mm -hmm. am I not able to trust God with my sexuality? You know, what, what, why am I, why am I insecure? What is it I'm looking for in this inter intercourse in this exchange that I'm trying to get and fulfill in this way here? And so I think there's a lot of questions we can ask ourselves when we really get 
conscientious of our sexuality and take a really like honest and straightforward approach to it. I think there's a lot we can learn about ourselves and what you're doing is so powerful for helping young women ask those questions for themselves and make decisions that they're empowered to, that they're empowered to make. (laughs) Thank you. That's so encouraging. Yes. Thank you for pointing that out. I always say, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to listen to where you want to go and to help you get there because often they want what I found in my future husband, but the steps we're taking to get there are not often to be the direction we want to go. You know what I mean? And so the principle of the path, another, another book by Andy Stanley, but you know, if I say I want to run a marathon, but I never put on my shoes and go for a run, I'm never going to get there. Right. Yeah. So if you want um, a godly marriage one day, like, okay, well there's steps that we have to take in our own lives and, Anyway, there's a rabbit child there too. But yeah, and if you want a godly yeah. man, maybe stop looking on Tinder and in bars for him. <laughs> yeah, we're hooking up with dirt bags. I'm just saying. Right, that's yeah. a whole nother yeah. yeah rabbit trail. Well, maybe this is a good place to end. But what would you say to women, young women who might be listening to this and and they're realizing, oh, I've done all kinds of sexual stuff in the past. Maybe they have a lengthy sexual history, maybe they don't, but they're hearing you now and they're realizing I want to hold my sexuality as sacred. What would you say to that, to that girl? Well, I would say, first of all, the lie of damaged goods is just that it's a lie and is you're never too late to decide how you want to be treated. And so I don't care what happened yesterday or last spring break. This is, this is a new day and this is the opportunity to decide what matters to you going forward. As we just talked about, like, what story do you want to tell? And and whatever happened, happened. But just like me and Bethany, you know, you never know what future story that that might unfold. But yeah. continuing down a path that doesn't serve you is going to help no one. Um, I am in Tennessee. If I want to go to Canada, we, I need to drive north. Like that is not complicated. But sometimes with our lives, we're like, oh, well, you know, I want this healthy story. I want this great relationship. But I'm going to well, kind of, as we just talked about, like go to tinder and hook up with dirt bags like that is not going to get where you want to go but the good news is there are forks in the road every day and so mm-hmm. keep going down a path that doesn't serve you is hurting is helping no one especially yourself and what a wonderful opportunity listening to this podcast right now right today like why not why not decide today's a day that you're different today's a day you start communicating what matters to you today's a day you start diving into the why behind the weight and and understanding hopefully you learn something in this conversation but we can certainly link a lot of good books and podcasts and i'm sure you guys have a lot of good information on this as well today's a day you decide i want better for myself i want better for my marriage i want better for my future children and what a gift that you're giving them by making the hard mm-hmm. decision today what a gift your future self is going to thank you for and yeah. Why not today? Why not? Today's a great day to do that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, so good. That's amazing. Katie, where can our audience find you and connect with you? Yeah, I made it pretty easy. My name is Katie Bulmer. So that's, I guess the not easy part, B-U-L-M-E-R, Katie Bulmer, but that's my handle at Katie Bulmer life on Instagram, TikTok, and my website. So all at Katie Bulmer dot life for website and then just no dot <laughs> for, Insta- for Instagram. Amazing. Yeah. Perfect. I'll put it in our show notes so you guys can check her out, but thank you so much for joining us today, yes. Katie. We've loved having you on here and maybe we'll do it again. I mean, you just sure. are, you have so much good info, which I love. Thank you so much. All right, guys, we will see you in the next one.